Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Since it's Thanksgiving week and we're headed into uh, some time with family or maybe you live far away from your family, you're not quite sure what you're going to do yet. But as we talk about family today, I want to ask you this question. I want to ask you, when was the last time you had family drama? Yeah, we're going there today, friends. When's the last time you had family drama? Do you remember what it was about? Was the drama with your spouse? Some of you are like not looking to the left or the right of your spouse. Was the drama with your children? Was the drama with in-laws? Some of us are about to see in-laws. My in-law is here somewhere today. What was the drama about? Now I want to ask you an even deeper question. We're going a little bit deeper. Come with me. And I want, I want you to ask this question, what family drama or wounds or pains are you carrying that you have been carrying for years, for a very long time? Because for most of us, we didn't just have drama last week. We've been carrying drama for a lot of our lives. So I want to ask you, what is that drama? What is that trauma? What is that wound that is happening in your heart, that has happened in your heart? Now I want to ask you this question. What if you could take that drama, that pain, that issue, that family mess, what if you could take that mess to the church without being afraid? Without being afraid of judgment, without being afraid of being labeled, without being afraid of just somebody finding out something about your mess or your drama that's going to be embarrassing? What if you could take that mess to the church? And this is what family ministry is really all about at Kalos Church, is we want to come around the hurting and broken families in our congregation. And I believe that there is something in the family ministry realm that we're going to launch in 2023 that is going to impact and can impact every single person in this room. Amen? So let me ask you this. What if the church could help your family thrive in Christ? Well, the scriptures have a lot to say about family. It's really important to God that we look at family the way that he looks at family. There's so many scriptures. I'm going to fly through a few of these. 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and worse, and is worse than an unbeliever. Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Ephesians 6.4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. There's so many. Ephesians 3 says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derive, derives its name. God cares about family. All throughout the scriptures, we see this. And to take it even further, God has something to say about how our religion 
impacts and cares for family. I want you to look at James 127. I believe that this is the scripture that God is birthing this new family ministry from. It's James 127 says this religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know, it may not seem like we have a lot of orphans and widows in our congregation traditionally the way we think about it, but I want to tell you that, that they are among us. We are here. We have single moms and dads and families that are among us that are doing the best to create an environment in their house where they can raise their children in godly homes. We have people that have broken families, people walking through divorces. We have children that are being abused. This is happening. And just because we go to church doesn't mean these things aren't happening behind closed doors. And so it's important that we recognize that God, in this moment at our church, the Spirit of God has led us to launch this ministry so that we can come around families. But I think the unfortunate thing is that many of us have felt like we cannot bring our family mess to the church. And that's what I want to get rid of at our church. That's what I want us to start getting deep into our hearts today. We all have these moments where we think, how did I end up in this family? Anybody been there? You're like, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe that this is where God had me be. And this is just so embarrassing how I grew up. I remember growing up in the country, in Kansas, okay? And small town Kansas, I went downstairs one day and my dad had his shotgun and he was trying to shoot a skunk. And the skunk was really making our dog, we had a dog outside, really angry. And the dog was making the skunk really angry. And my dad was trying to shoot it. And he couldn't shoot it. And sure enough, this skunk sprayed our dog. And it was right beside our house. And I don't know if you all know the impact and the potency of a skunk spray. You don't seem that impressed. Listen to this. This is what happens when a skunk spray. It can cause blindness in the attacker's eyes. That's how potent and awful. I don't think my dog went blind, but maybe for a few minutes. I don't know. Skunks can spray up to 15 feet. And you can smell the, the smell of a skunk for miles away. For miles away. So since this skunk sprayed right near our house, I don't know how this happened, but that skunk smell got into our house. And it got into my hair and into our clothes and into everything in our house. It stank so, so, so bad. And I will never forget, we just kept taking showers and trying to wash off the smell of skunk and it would not come off. It's horrible. And so we got on the bus, my sister, brother, and I, we were in junior high. We get on the bus and we're just like, hopefully, you know, nobody else can really smell it because we kind of got used to it. And so we get on the bus and just a few minutes later, someone's like, does it smell like skunk in here? And me and my siblings are just like sinking down into our bus chairs, like hoping nobody can tell that it's us. I remember going into my class that day, sitting in the back in the corner so that no one could be near me. And again, within a few minutes, somebody was like, you stink. 
Like something, you, there is an odor. You smell like skunk. And I remember my sister, I was talking to her this week. She said this was the top, one of the top 10 most embarrassing moments of her life in our family because our family smelled like skunk for an entire week. And did you know that there is only one way that I read about on the internet for you to get skunk spray out of your clothes and your hair? We did this. You have to take uh, tomato sauce baths. That's the only way. Anybody been there? You have to just shower with tomato sauce. No, nobody's been there. So between the skunk smell and the smell of tomato sauce, my family smelled real weird for a whole week. For a whole week. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, why is this my life? Why am I in this family? How does this happen? Why did we have to grow up in the country? You know, my city friends aren't having the skunk problem. And I was just so embarrassed. Anybody been there? You know, like I was in junior high and I'm like, just get me out of here, God, you know? And so I was just so, so, so embarrassed, like asking God, why are we so redneck? Why do we have to live this life and be in this family? And we've all had these moments of being ashamed or being embarrassed of our families. And I'm going to be honest with you, I want to be a little vulnerable with you this morning, that even though I was embarrassed of a skunk smell for that week of our lives, um, I actually spent most of my childhood being very embarrassed about the things that were going on in my home behind closed doors that no one knew about. My father was a very angry and abusive man. And he, he, thankfully, towards the end of his life, he did a lot of work and he wasn't that way. But, but I've just had to come to the realization that most of my childhood, all the way into high school and even college, I had a very abusive, violent, volatile father. And it's difficult for me to talk about my dad because he passed away unexpectedly six months before we planted Kalo's church. And what I want you to know about him is the incredible parts of who he was because there were those parts. And he did leave a legacy that was also really beautiful. But most of my childhood memories were horrible holidays were moments where we were so scared that my mother would put us in the car and we would drive to a hotel and we would sleep at a hotel for a night because my dad was off the rails. There were so many times when we were late for all of our basketball games and all this because my dad was freaking out. We were the family that would get up in the morning on Sunday mornings to my dad being very upset about something and being very scary, and we'd get dressed, we'd get in the car to go to church, he would be yelling all the way to church, we'd get out of the car, we'd get to church, and we'd put a smile on our face. And then we would have church, and nobody knew what was going on, and we just became very, very, very good at hiding our pain, especially at church. And then we would get back in the car and he would pick up right where he left off. My father was a victim of very, very, very severe abuse when he was a child. And so you can see the generational pattern. He was trying to do the best he can. But this was my childhood and I was so embarrassed. The people I did not want to know what was going on in my home were my church friends. I did not want them to know. I wanted everybody to think that we were a fine, spiritual, good family. But the reality is I never even wanted to have friends over to my house because I did not want them to know the real truth about us. Anybody been there? 
And this is what happens is that we get so full of shame. And it's just so sad that we didn't want our mess to be seen. And I want to tell you this morning, I grew up where I felt like our mess at home was too messy for the church. I felt like our mess was too messy for too long for the church. Because I grew up in a church where you pray through and you get breakthrough. But what happens if that breakthrough doesn't come for 15, 20, 25 years? What happens? Family ministry is all about being in this support team with you for the long haul. Something that I needed in my family. All of us have family pain and drama. Whether we like to go there or not, we all have family pain and drama. Now, it's almost Thanksgiving. And as we prepare for Thanksgiving, I thought about some pictures. I saw some pictures that I thought maybe would help you get into the spirit and prepare you for what's to come. So I've got a couple of memes Welcome to my family where the loudest person wins and the logic doesn't matter. Everybody has that person. That awkward moment when someone who always starts drama complains that they hate drama. I'm not even going to tell you who I know. Okay, when you're finally old enough to listen in on the family gossip and everything starts to make sense. I feel like we all went through that period. We're like, oh... Oh, that's what was going on. But on a real level, we all struggle with family pain and drama. You know, you may be sitting here and you're like, I am the parent that screamed at my kid all the way to church. And then they watched me put a happy face on. And we're going to get back in the car and I have to go back to that mess and deal with that after church. And you may be that parent. You may be someone who just in cultural traditions, like my father, cultural traditions just meant that your family culture was terrible, that there was abuse and a violence involved, and that really began to mess with you. You may be sitting here today in so much shame. I talk to so many people, wonderful people in our church, who right now are walking through divorces, who right now are experiencing the pain of infidelity, who right now have struggled with not abusing their children. This is real, and this is happening, and this is not something that just because we're Christian, we don't struggle with. You may be sitting here not even married or have children. You're a teenager or junior high kid and, or a young adult, and you're like, you know what? I, I just have so much pain in my life. Amritha, um, if I open that can of worms, I'm afraid I will drown in it. And that might be you this morning. And you may say, I just... I don't even know how to go there. So you're covering it up by climbing the ladder. You're covering it up by even serving in church, just trying to feel better about yourself. There's all this shame that comes when we talk about family drama. And if we're honest, most of us feel like the last place that we can bring that is to the church. And I believe, Kalo's church, that God is asking us to shift that perspective. God is asking us to all become a part of a family ministry where we can bring our mess. Can I ask you something today? What are we doing if this isn't a place for broken families? What are we doing here? You know that God calls this religion defiled. He calls it impure. If we can't bring our mess to the church, that's not true religion. That's what the scriptures say. So I want to ask us today, what is it going to take for us to help families thrive in Christ? Because I know you're with me, and I know you want your own pain to be healed, and I know you want to be a vessel that would help someone else's pain be healed. Amen? 
I know that. I see that as a hunger in our church. Number one today is we must have a commitment to true religion. I read this before, James 127. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know that if I could paraphrase this scripture, if I could paraphrase it in my own words, this is what I would say. One of the purest and most undefiled demonstrations of the gospel is to move towards hard places and broken people, not away from them. That's how I would paraphrase this. And I want to break down this scripture because we've looked at James 1.27. So I'm adopted. And anybody that's been in the adoption world or the foster care world or even uh, ministries to the poor, on the website, there's always like James 1.27, okay? It's always like always dealing with people in that kind of environment or that situation. And it is, but it's way more than that. So I want to break this down because James 1.27 isn't just for uh, the orphan and the widow. It is for for all of us to pay attention to and for all of us to be a part of. This verse is often viewed as a command, but it's not actually a command. It's actually a description. It's a description of how God wants us to become and who he wants us to become. And then from there, we would go care for the orphan and the poor and broken families. This is what this scripture is really about. The Greek word for pure here is translated as the English word catharsis. Everyone say catharsis. Catharsis. Okay, it means cleansing. It, the root word is where we get the root word cathartic. Cathartic, let me read you this definition. Cathartic is an activity or practice that is psychologically or emotionally relieving or cleansing. Does anyone know the most common cathartic act or expression that most of us experience in our life? Crying. Crying is a cathartic expression. I mean, haven't you ever had a really good cry? And it feels so good. You just feel better after you've cried. I remember dating Pastor Pradeepin. He was not into emotional girls, okay? That's what he told me. So anyway, he, just, he was just like, I don't want an emotional girl. So I'm sitting in the car one day, and I just sometimes I would just have this pent-up emotional tears or something. And it wasn't even about anything all the time. And I remember sitting in the car, and I would be like, Okay, I don't, want to, I don't want to freak you out, but I have to cry for just a couple minutes. And I'm one of those criers that when I cry and I try to talk, I get really squeaky. Anybody else like that? So I'm up there, I'm really squeaky, and I'm like, just don't, just don't wait to think I'm weird. And then I just sob for two minutes. And after two minutes, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm good. I feel great. Woo! And my, my boyfriend at the time is like, uh, what just happened? Like, what is going on? But don't you, haven't you felt that way before? It's this cleansing. It's this relieving. James is saying it's pure and cleansing. It's relieving to look after orphans and widows in their distress. It is a natural part of our Christianity. This is, should be natural. It should be flowing out of us. The word religion, let's keep going. In this context, it refers to an outward expression of faith, a demonstration of something that is inwardly true. You guys, what we have to understand is James is not asking us to do something as much as he's inviting us to become something. He's inviting us to become the kind of people who understand so deeply the profound impact of the gospel on our lives that we can't do anything but go show it and love orphans and widows and poor and broken families. 
It comes out of a revelation of what God has done for us, right? Martin Luther said, the, word, uh, the world doesn't need a definition of religion as much as it needs a demonstration. We as a church, we want to be people in love with God who put our faith in action. That's what family ministry is all about. And as we look at the scripture and it says, look after orphans and widows, it isn't like looking after when you're babysitting and at the end of the night you get your money and then you go home. That's not what it means to look after orphan and poor and broken families. What it means is actually it translates into giving intense attention and to see very deeply, giving intense attention. I see you. I'm coming after you. You are someone that I am drawn to because God wants to do a work and a breakthrough in your life. It's, it calls for a habitual practice and attitude. It's not just one act of babysitting. It's not just one act of something that we do, a one-off sort of charity case situation. This is who we become. Looking after orphans, widows, and broken families in distress is less about what we do periodically and more about who we are consistently. Do you know that Kalos Church, we've been able to be consistent in the last five years in a few of these ways. One of the ways is that we, uh, we actually have supported a ministry in Cambodia that is working with women who are on the borders of Thailand and Cambodia in danger of being sex trafficked. And for five years, we have come alongside a nonprofit that is helping these women have job creation, be able to stay home and be with their children. This is huge. We've been able to be consistent here in our community at an organization called the Sophia Way, where we have actually helped battered women uh, be able to go to this shelter. Listen, we as a church, we didn't want to be a one and done church with these organizations. We wanted to be in a habitual relationship and consistent relationship with these organizations and with these people. Do you see what God is asking us to become? He's asking us to stay involved, to see very intensely what he is doing. You know, my parents um, went through a four-year grueling process to adopt my sister and I. I was born in India, and on the first day that I was born, I was abandoned and left at the doorstep of a Christian missionary woman. And my parents from Kansas uh, actually adopted us, and it was just this just long, grueling four-year thing. But can I tell you something? My parents were not the only two heroes in my story of being adopted. The people that were heroes in our story were the ones that walked along with my family for four years, who gave finances because they didn't have a lot of money to do this, who came alongside of them and encouraged them and loved them. And do you know that in 1986, my mother, who had never been out of the country, they had one, they had enough money for one plane ticket. My mother had never left the country and she flew to India and she got us girls and she brought us back. That's why I'm here today. And when we came back, you know what the community did? They bought us clothes and shoes and hair bows and all of this stuff. The community came around my family. This is how the church operates. And it was beautiful. So when I think back on my adoption story, man, my parents were amazing. And they persevered and they're amazing. But they were not the only two heroes in the story. And for so many of us, God is asking us to participate in what it means to come around families. For some of us, it's going to be financial giving. For some of us, it's going to be babysitting. For some of us, it's going to be just listening and walking with and crying with people who aren't seeing breakthrough in their marriages for five years or 10 years or whatever. It's going to be us being consistent and looking very deeply into their situation and walking alongside with them. 
I love that the community that came around my family, you know why they did that? Because they had a great revelation of what God had already done in their own lives. And they didn't treat us like charity cases. They saw us as image bearers of Christ because they saw themselves as image bearers of Christ. And so they treated us with the same dignity that they would treat themselves and their own children. Most of us have extreme shame around some aspect of our family life and our past. And can I just tell you this morning that we have got to get over our American dream of the perfect family. It does not exist. It does not exist. And so many of you, we even struggle. We come to church and we're still comparing ourselves. We're comparing our parenting. We're comparing our kids. I'm still comparing myself to families or whatever. Even when, This is not the place to do that because this is the place that you get to bring your mess and people will meet you in your mess. This is the culture I want us to shift in our church. Not to be the place where as single moms and dads we come and we just feel horrible about ourselves or parents that are struggling with abuse and real anger issues in their life. This is the place that you can come with your mess. This is what family ministry is all about. Growing up in a healthy family is not a prerequisite for helping families become healthy. Read that again. Growing up in a healthy family is not a prerequisite for helping families become healthy. So this is what it means to come around families. Lastly, in this scripture, in this first part, it, it says uh, we would need to care for orphans and widows. And again, James is being descriptive, not prescriptive. If we would ask James, well, James, what about the people that are being trafficked? What about the poor? What about my neighbor that's foreclosing on their house? I think James would say, that's what I'm talking about too. I'm not just talking about literal orphan, uh, orphans and widows. This is all of these people who have broken families. It's not just specifically that. And, and God is asking all of us to be the people that say that's where we go. Those are the people that we follow and we pursue and we help. I'm telling you, Kalos Church, our commitment in family ministries is to help your family thrive in Christ. Can I get a good amen? This is what God is calling us to. So what else is it going to take for us to help families thrive in Christ? It's going to take a community that's willing to sacrifice. A community that's willing to sacrifice. Acts 2.44 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. You know, the context of this scripture is that it was Pentecost and the Holy Spirit fell on all these people and they were filled with the Spirit and tongues of fire came and a rushing wave was crazy. It was, it was just, it was the moment in church history that we call the birth of the church. And you know what the response was of these people when they were filled with the Holy Spirit? It was to share everything. It was to share their possessions. It was to share their food. It was to share their lives with one another. This was the result of the birth of the church being filled with the Spirit of God. And this is beautiful. And this is what we can walk in today. The early church didn't just pray about taking care of the broken. They sacrificed for them. 
They sacrifice for them. You know what we need as a church to come around families? We need us all to recognize that we are a part of this spiritual family, and we have something to offer this spiritual family. We need aunties and uncles. We need grandparents. We need people in the church. Even if you're not married or you don't have kids or you have no intention to, we need you to step into this ministry with us and help us come around what God wants to do as we bring in to heal families and help them thrive in Christ. Everyone in this room, everyone in this moment can participate in what God wants to do. Do you believe that? We all have something to offer the body of Christ and to help families thrive in Christ. I want to share with you uh, some of the specific things that you'll be giving toward in legacy as it relates to family ministries. The first one is this. John Boyd, who is sitting over here, is a part-time youth director here at Kayla's Church. He has launched a youth ministry, my friends. Can we give it up for him? Beautiful, his team. But here's the reality of John's youth reality. He spends a lot of time with youth, but he also spends a lot of time having conversations with parents. He, has a lot of, he spends a lot of time having conversations with little siblings. He is, he is all over up in the family. And it is really, really needed. And you know what? I want to encourage you and help you understand that what we're giving toward is to bring John to full time here at Kalos Church so that he can give more of his time to families. That's one of the most practical things we want to do. The other practical thing we want to do is we want to have a parent orientation where every new family who comes to Kalos Church is going to be helped into being assimilated into our community. Wouldn't you have loved that? Sorry, you came too early. But we want to do that in 2023, every new family. Something that Amy Carlson is so passionate about, our kids director, is that we want to create a pathway for discipleship. We don't want your kids to just memorize scripture. We want them to have a relationship with God. We want them to understand that the church goes way, way, way back from before this, way, way back to to Pentecost in Acts 2. We want them to understand church history. We want them to understand what it means to be disciples of Christ all the way from when they're little kids all the way to when they become adults and they become uh, in college all the way up there. Because this is a huge need in our church to disciple children, to disciple teenagers and come around kids. There's a reality that we're facing in our culture, in our world that we have to come to grips with. I want to read a couple of stats to you. Children between the ages of 15 to 18 months start forming a worldview. Now watch this. Today, 80% of people who attend evangelical churches do not have a biblical worldview. This is why we need to disciple our children. 60% of kids will lose their faith in college. I want to read this quote to you by Barna. More than 9 out of 10 parents of preteens, 94%, have a syncretistic worldview, a grab bag of beliefs and behaviors taken from a variety of philosophies of life, Barna said. Most parents mix some biblical ideas with Marxism to Eastern mysticism and everything in between. Throw in a little Marxism there, a bit of Eastern mysticism here, season generously with nationalism, stir in a dollop of postmodernism, and garnish with secular environmentalism. And parents have concocted for their own worldview and their children's a witch's brew more poisonous than nutritious. I want to tell you, Kalos Church, we are going to take our time to, as, we, as, we un, as we roll out this family ministry, because we want to do a good job, and we want to be in the long haul with you, because we love you, and we know that God wants 
us to come around our community in the way of family. I know some of you even in this moment are being stirred. Your tears are falling. You, you, you just know this is something that you deeply needed. You know what I needed as a little girl? I needed a place of refuge. I needed a place of safety and security. Do you know that for so many years of my life, I had no idea what it meant to feel safe and secure? And what if the church could be a place of refuge? I believe that God has called us, this church, to be that place. You know what I needed when I was a little girl? I needed somebody that would see me. The people that did know what was going on in our home, I wasn't a child that acted out, so no one took the time to come ask me how this abuse was affecting me. I just kept my head down, and I just lived my life. That's all I knew to do. A few weeks ago, my three-year-old daughter, Nala, went and spent the weekend with Andrew and Rachel Jennings. And Pastor Preben and I were in New York on a trip, and they went, and uh, they were so cute. They had this, in their guest room, they had this sign in the guest room that said, Nala's room. And then you opened the door, and there were balloons all over the, the, the bed. And little did they know that they would be playing balloons for hours. If you give a three-year-old that many balloons, right? And they stocked their fridge with all of Nala's favorite foods. You know what I needed when I was a little girl? I needed a weekend away from abuse and pain. I needed the weekend that my little girl just had. And that's what our church is providing. And that's what our church, I believe, can provide. You know, my little girl is not experiencing those kinds of things in our home, I, I hope. I, I believe that that is true. But you know, she is a little girl who has a brother with special needs. And a lot of our attention goes to her brother because it's, it's hard. And so for my little girl to have a weekend away where it was all about her and safety and security and a refuge, I needed that. And I believe that we can provide that here at Kalos. I want to do something as we close this morning. I want to invite you to bring your mess to Jesus and to the church. And there's something that we have not done a lot that I, I want to do this morning because I see the tears coming down some of your faces. I see the stirrings that are happening in your heart. What I want us to do is receive prayer. So what I'm going to do is ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to ask my prayer team, my lead team, uh, to come on up um, right here along the side. We have people right up here who understand what it means to be in family pain, okay? They understand what it means to need prayer. And I'm going to ask us, I'm going to ask you to be really bold and to be really brave because here's the thing. God is inviting us to become something, but as a little girl and even as an adult, I was somebody who still really wanted to help people, but I still needed a lot of ministering too. I still needed someone to pray with me. And so as the music plays, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand up. And in one motion, those of you that stand up and want to receive prayer for the things that are happening in your life, for the pain that has never been seen, I want you to bring it to the church. I want you to bring it to these people and let them pray for you. You can share as much or as little as you want. I don't care. But would you let them pray for you? Would you understand that everybody in this room has this baggage? that no one is looking at you any different because we all have it. This is a moment, I believe, that God wants to touch you and move in your life. So I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. And those of you that want to come to the front, would you just come on up? 
right as you're standing up, just come to the front, come to one of these people, allow them to pray for you, allow them to stand with you in prayer. And here's what we're going to do just for a few minutes. The band is going to lead us in a worship song. And we're just going to stay right here, all of us. We're going to stay right here. And we're going to worship with you. But I want to invite you, at any point in this song, would you come up and would you receive prayer? Let's begin to sing and let's begin to worship. And those of you that are standing there with a little bit of a, a little stirring in your heart, your heart is pounding a little bit more. Maybe you're, you're not sure if you're somebody that should come up or not. I just, I just encourage you. The altars are open. The altars are open. Come on, church. Let's sing. I believe that God wants to deliver you. He wants to touch your heart. At any point in the song, feel free to come up. feel in my heart that if you've lost a parent, if you've lost someone in your family this year, I just want you to know that God sees you. If you're standing here and your marriage is falling apart, if you're standing here and you're recognizing that you didn't have a parent that was emotionally available to you, God sees you. God sees you. The altars are still open.
as people are still coming up to receive prayer, for those of you that are still standing and praying, I want you to sing this out. We're going to sing this chorus a couple more times. In this moment, I want to invite those of you that maybe you've never invited Jesus into your life. You've never surrendered your life to him, and you just, you just want to start there. I want to give those of you that and want to invite Jesus to invade your life. You want to surrender to him. You want to make him Lord of your life. I want to invite you to do that. So if those of you that are sitting in your chairs right now, would you just close your eyes and bow your heads? If that's you this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to surrender to him, I want to pray with you. No one is looking. Would you just lift up your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Let me see you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Amen. You can put your hand down. Here's what I want to do. I want us all to look up at the screen. We have a couple people that have raised their hands, maybe even more online. And we're going to pray this prayer with them. Can we do that, church? All together, let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen, amen. Well, as these prayer people are wrapping up, we're going to let them finish. You can go ahead and take your seat. And we're going to transition prayer people into a time of giving. John's going to come back up. I just want to tell those of you that raised your hand to give your life to Jesus this morning. We want to walk with you. So would you send a text, Jesus425 to 94,000? Because we want to walk with you. We want to talk with you as Jesus comes to be a more real person in your life. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up to Jesus for what he's doing, for the prayers of people, for the life transformation that he's doing? Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn 
in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.